So we've been doing lessons from animals throughout the Bible, and you find as you have references to animals throughout the Word of God that you learn lessons from them. Uh, sometimes good lessons, sometimes, hey, don't do this, but they take the characteristics of an animal or they take the situation around an animal and try to teach a lesson. So this morning, we are going to talk about lions. Lions. Ever since I was probably six years old, on Saturday mornings, I used to get up early on Saturday mornings because at 6 a.m. there was Wild Wild World of Animals. And I always watched Wild Wild World of Animals. I get it, I think, from my grandfather who watched nature shows and everything his whole entire life, loved seeing animals. And Wild Wild World of Animals, of course, half the time was set in Africa, and you see the great big water buffalo, and they fight, and they go after each other, and you see rhinos and hippos and giraffes and all sorts of things, and each one has its own power and its own uh, thing that it brings to the table. Some are fast, like a gazelle or an antelope. You know, they might be fast, but not as powerful. But a hippo, wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're very fast, a hippo, um, but I wouldn't want to meet up with a hippo anywhere in the water or on land as far as that goes, because they are powerful. A rhinoceros, the same thing, very powerful. You see things around here. Now, probably not too many people have seen a lion here in the wild wandering around. And you've probably seen them at the zoo, and they're always laying down doing nothing at the zoo, or not in the zoo at all, right? They're always behind the bars somewhere, and they're like, where are they? <laughs> but you go outside and you see a white tail, and a white tail has grace. A white tail is fast, they can run really fast. In fact, I've been standing in the woods and nearly run over by a whitetail that was being chased by a dog at the time. And that is a loud sound coming right at you. Probably he missed me by four feet as he was running. He never saw me. Uh, you have fast animals, you have powerful animals, but then you have this animal called the lion who appropriately was named the king of the jungle, right? Because the king of the jungle not only has great power and great strength, but has great speed, cunning. You see, you know, you look at your house cat. If you have a good house cat that's a good hunter, you watch that cat, and they do just what a lion does. They creep up on something silently. Like, how does that cat move across there without a single uh, noise? They silently creep up, and they will wait for an hour for just the right moment, for just the right motion to happen as they watch their prey, and then all of a sudden, boom, as fast as they could be. I was outside one time. And I was watching a red squirrel. And if you know what red squirrels are, they're a pretty vicious little animal. But some cats cannot stop. But they want to get those red squirrels. So I watched this red squirrel as he was going across my parents' house, across the treetops, back and forth, back and forth. And he would run and jump from tree to tree to tree. And the cat watched him all day, watched him. And that cat 
just watch as he went, and he'd jump from the end of the branches, and he would jump onto the rooftop of the house. And of course, they're always there to go and chew holes in your house and leave walnuts and things in your house, right? Red squirrels. But that cat watched and watched and watched. And that one time, as I was watching, the squirrel went across and jumped and didn't quite make it to the house. Hit the side of the house. Went down to the ground, the cat had him dead just like that. <laughs> he was watching all day long for that squirrel. He's like, I'm going to get you one way or another. So cats can have patience. Cats are majestic. Cats, when you get into the big cats, like the lion, they bring power. Teeth and claws, unlike any other. Okay, I would never want to go up against a lion. I would lose every time. Both speed and power. Just gone. <laughs> All right? It's fascinating to look at lions. And people have talked about lions for ages. And they are throughout the Bible. In fact, there are so many verses throughout the Bible, we could never hit them all. But we're going to hit a couple or three of them and get some lessons out of the lions and what they did. So let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 as Solomon talks about the lion. And he's always got an interesting perspective as he uses a lion to say, well, lions are like this. So what can we learn from them? What lessons can we learn from the lions? Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse number 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 3. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all, yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And we've seen that, especially in our world today. And the madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Well, if you dig through that old English, and there's quite a, quite a bit there that you've got to find, what you find out is a comparison. Okay, He compares a dog and a lion. Now, we all may like dogs, but dogs are known for their lowly estate, right? They are not like a lion. A lion is much more majestic, much more powerful, Though dogs fight for the scraps and they can be scrappers, things like that, a lion would take them out any time. A lion is very powerful. But what Solomon says is this. It's better to be a dog that's alive than a dead lion. So what does he mean by that? That's a strange thing to say. Well, what he's saying is this. While you are on earth, you still have opportunities. While you exist here on this earth, your opportunities that affect the rest of eternity are still there. But the moment that you die, the end of your decision-making process is up. 
You have sealed your eternity by the choices that you would and would not do on earth. So what he says is, oh, everybody respects a lion. And they all look at a lion and say, wow, that's an amazing animal. That creature is incredible. He said, I'd rather be a dog that's alive than a lion that's dead. I'd rather still have opportunities as meager as they might be here on earth. For once that happens and I breathe my last breath, my opportunities are gone. So I have to be aware of what I'm doing here on earth. Now, I may not feel like a lion as I'm here on earth, right? I may not feel very powerful or very majestic in my life, but God for sure is giving me chances, opportunities. If you already have made that decision for God to say, I will live for God, okay, if you said that, and in your heart you've made a relationship with God, then that's, of course, the greatest opportunity to seize, but there are more opportunities. It's said that if you just give one glass of cold water to someone in need, that God marks that to your account. So as minimal as that might seem to bring somebody a glass of water that is in need, God is keeping track. It was an opportunity. And if you took it, you had that great opportunity. All right? Wherever you are in your life. And we've seen that. And we even talked about Bill Barton there in the hospital bed who gives his Bible to the person next to him, right? He takes that opportunity. He's taken every little chance to say and talk to other people about it. Those chances will be accounted for him. And for you and I is the same way. The opportunities are there. But at some point, they go. So Solomon says, pay attention while you're here on earth. You may not feel stately, and you may not feel wonderful and powerful, and you may not feel like you can go and do all the greatest things for God, but he says, take every little chance you can. Do the little things. I appreciate those of you who stood out in the rain on Friday night and did things for us, right? Cooked for us and helped us and did things and hauled things around, did all sorts of things. Every little thing is counted. God counts every one of those things. Small as it might seem, say, oh, that wasn't a big deal. No, but God says, I've got that one marked down. Take the opportunities while they are there and don't let them go by. It's better to be a dog that's living than some stately lion and say, well, I was going to do great things for God. Well, your chance is up. I'd rather be that guy there that does the little things, the low things, than say, look at how great I was. Who cares? Get down there and do those little things that count. All right? So that's a lesson we get from the lion. Do the little things and don't be worried about being such a big shot. Let's look at another lesson. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20. 
Proverbs chapter number 20. And I don't know if you have ever heard the low growl of an animal. I was down uh, in Old Forge one time, and we had our youth group kids with us, and I don't know what we were thinking, but here we were in the middle of bear country, um, and one of the kids finally comes back and says, hey, there's a bear, and we go down there, and there is a whole entire group of people surrounded this little tiny ditch, one tree, a spindly little tree, and there's a black bear, climbed up in that tree because he was agitated, and I could hear him going, growling. And I said, you kids get out of here now. I don't want you standing around. All those people can be as stupid as they want to be, but none of you are staying here and watching this bear because one little low growl from him lets you know that he's uncomfortable. Same thing with a lion. They've got that very, very low, low base. It's not even hardly a growl. I mean, it is so low, and they can let you know that they are uncomfortable with you where you are. They don't like the situation. They don't want you there. You're too close, or you're too near their things, whether it's their prey or whatever. One little growl communicates very clearly to them. To everybody, it should. You should know and understand full well that I have the power to tear you limb from limb, and I'm just giving you one warning. And that's what a lion does, right? He growls and gives warning of his power. His growl. His roar. And when he's at the point of actually doing an all-out roar, you better watch out. I don't want to be anywhere near him. I don't want to be anywhere near him. So here it is in Proverbs, again, Solomon giving us a clue about the lion. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 2. The fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion. Whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. So, that's a strange thing. He says a king, a fear of a king, a leader, okay? A leader here on earth has a growl, has a roar. And he said... You do well to pay attention to that roar. Now, this is where we as humans have trouble. Leaders in our life, we're often not fond. And what do we, how do we approach the leaders in our life? Whether that's in our own home, our parents or whomever, at our job, at our church, at our government, or even our God... How do we approach leadership in our life? Some people are very prickly when they get around leadership. They don't really like being told what to do. In fact, they kind of like to irritate them day in and day out. And the more I can do, if you're a leader over me, the more I can do just to keep jabbing at you every day, 
the better I feel about myself. But watch out. That's what Solomon's saying. Watch out. If you have a little problem with authority, watch out. If you're the one who's proud of stirring the pot. I've had people tell me that. I just stand back and watch after I stir the pot. Proud of it. Glad to do it. Look at what I did. I made a mess for him, and now he's got to run around. He's got to fix it. Look at him. And really, what it often comes down to is they just have a problem with authority. They don't like being told what to do. But in a very clever way, they stand aside and stir the pot and say, watch what happens. I told you he was no good. It sounds like they feel very highly about themselves and not about anybody else. But that's how people treat other people. Oftentimes, we have a problem. So when you hear the roar of a lion, you say, well, I better back off because this guy could tear me limb from limb. But people, when they hear the roar of someone in authority over them, sometimes they like to snuggle up a little and just get at them, irritate them a little bit. That's not what God says to do with authority. That's not what God says to do with your boss or your leader. And yet, don't we spend a lifetime fighting against God? When he says, I don't want you to do this because this is the best thing for you. And we say, but I want to do that. Now, we're very subtle at it. And we're very clever at it. We make lots of excuses and lots of reasons why we should do it. But in the end, we often find that it is just plain old our own pride. That's the truth. And it's a hard truth. I remember one time... I was told, I got a call from one of my bosses, and it happened more than once, and he told me, well, you're hiring a guy, right? And I thought to myself, well, yes, I do a very thorough hiring process, and I go through, and I'm going to pick the best person. And he highly suggested a certain person. And somewhere down inside, well, let me start on the surface. On the surface, I said, Oh, sure, I will take a look at him. And then a little deeper inside, I said, you can bet your life I'm not going to hire that guy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but somewhere in the middle, I said, well, I will bring him in, and I'll look at him, and I'll make sure I question him about all these things, and I'll make sure that I prove that boss wrong. All right? Because somewhere deep down inside of me, I am looking to show people that I'm right. That authority comes and says, you should do this. And I said, but I have the right way to do this. Well, if I would have searched throughout the Bible, I don't think I'd have found a single thing that would have said, don't hire the guy your boss tells you to. Nope. Really, what it came down to is I hired the guy that I proved was right. And two and a half years later, one of the few people that I had to terminate because he was the worst employee you ever met. 
He lied and he stole and he did all sorts of things. And I think that might have been God saying, I think you were more worried about your own pride than you were worried about doing what was best. You said you were going to get the very best process and it was going to be the very fairest process. But really in your mind, you made up your mind before you started. And I want to show you that way deep down inside, you are just as rebellious as everybody else. Though you might cover it up well, you are rebellious. So oftentimes, that selfish pride, and that's what it is. When we look at the roaring of a king and we say, I won't do it. Subtly, kindly we say it with a smile, in a Christian way, right? And then down deep inside, I won't. And that's all we do. We're clever. Or sneaky, maybe. How's that? Selfish pride. Be aware because it will bite you. The roar is coming. It will bite you, right? The roar was a warning. Just be aware that you don't have the selfish pride driving you versus just trying to do the right thing. I think that God looks down on people and he is looking for a person to do what's right. And you say, well, isn't there a time to stand up against authority? Yes, there's a time to stand up against authority. A time when God looks across his people and he looks for a humble person, a contrite person, a God-fearing person, a yielding person, a man or woman who is going to stand against an earthly wrong with faith, but not in defiance, which is where we all go to immediately, but stand in obedience to God. There's a subtle difference. We all say, well, I'm defying that authority, and I'm right. Be aware in how you approach it. If you approach it with obedience to God, then God will bless it. If you approach it in defiance to man, then God will not bless it. Be aware. And so we have one more final lesson from the lions. And we're going to look at that and be careful just to imprint this a little harder. We're going to go to Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6. As we look at Daniel, and of course, he's got famous lions. Everybody knows about Daniel's lions, right? He was thrown in the lion's den. But I want to look a little carefully at some of the verses that, as you read the story, you may not quite look at. I want to say there's a lesson in these lions. There's a careful lesson in these lions and what they might stand for. All right. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1. 
And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first. That, was the pr- uh, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and that the king should have no damage. This, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. All right, as we start out the book of Daniel, Daniel is given authority. Now, there's 120 princes, kind of governor-type people, okay, over the regions. And then there are three presidents over top of those 120 governors. And of the three, Daniel's the favorite because he does what's right, and he's wise, and the king likes it. But guess who doesn't like it? 122 other people, okay? (laughs) They are all very jealous of Daniel. They hate that they can't find anything wrong with him. They have gone after him. They have looked for anything they can find. They have found in his private life. They're looking for anything to smear him. Okay? And they can't find anything. So what do they got to do? Well, they got to they gotta make something up, right? Sounds familiar. Verse number five, they finally come up with something. Then these, said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Right? So Daniel, he's been given the authority over us. He's this perfect guy. How are we going to get him? I'll tell you how we're going to get him. He believes in this God. He's got his religion. We're going to go after his faith. We're going to go after his faith. We are going to use it. And as their jealousy rages about this man who was given authority over him by no fault of Daniel's own, the king says, I want him in charge. Daniel just is who he is, and these men are jealous, very jealous. And so they say, how are we going to get him? Well, we're going to find a way to make what he does look bad. So how do we do it? Well, he prays every day, and so we're going to go to the king, we're going to get the king, uh, going to turn him a little bit and say, well, we shouldn't, you know, people should pray to you, king, because you're almighty. Of course, they're appealing to his pride, and he gladly steps on board with that. And you know the story. Of course, Daniel is who he is. He continues to pray. He is faithful regardless. He does not use his position to try to get out of things. He just maintains his integrity. It's all he does. He doesn't say to the king, Hey, king, you gave me second in charge. Why would you throw me in the lion's den? He just goes with it and says, Well, God must have a plan. 
with this. God must have a plan. And so, here we are. The king can't sleep. After he throws him in the lion's den, and he brings in musicians, try to put me to sleep, try to put me to sleep, and what's bothering him is his conscience. Daniel's down in the lion's den, and he figures Daniel's been torn apart in seconds. But he's hoping. And so he's up, feeling guilty. And pretty soon, by the time first dawn breaks in the morning, after he spent the entire night up, he runs out and says, okay, I'm going to tear that stone off the top. I want to see what's left of Daniel. And so... This is what he does. Verse number 20 of chapter 6. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, King, O king, live forever. You think you would have said that? <laughs> hey, good morning to you, king, right? <laughs> I want you to go on forever, the guy that threw me in the lion's den, right? Daniel's not bitter. Not at all. He's actually kind to the king who just threw him in the lion's den last night. You might think he thought about something all night long as the lions are sitting near him. All right? But what did he think about? He probably thought about the king. He probably felt bad for the king. Because here he is in no danger. He knows those lions aren't going to touch him. I suppose maybe when he got first thrown down, he didn't know how God was going to react. Am I just going to be a martyr for my faith? I don't know. But after the lions went and laid down... After a few hours, he might say, oh, maybe God really is up to something here. Let me, let me see. Verse number 22. My God, this is Daniel continuing, my God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him an innocency was found in me, also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And then the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Verse 24, and the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of the lions, them, their children. Their children and their wives and the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. There those lions had been sitting with Daniel all night. They threw the guys down who accused him. They never hit the ground. And the lions had them torn to pieces, broke the bones, smashed them into pieces. And Daniel just sat there with them all night long. And yet, Daniel was not bitter. It was not Daniel who called out for revenge. That was the king's choice. Daniel said, oh, king, live forever. My God took care of me. It's all I've got to worry about. So here is the lesson in the lions. 
The lions that people put in your life in front of you. What is it? The lions are something meant to harm you. Something meant to harm you. People will say things to harm you and try to do things to take you down. I've had people write letters about me to, to my bosses and things and try, try to take me down. Those are things like lions that people put in front of you to try and take you out, to try and harm you. Those are the lions that you get in your life. If you are faithful and obedient and consistent with integrity, then God will use those lions that people intended for evil... He will use them for good. Because the end of the story is not up with Daniel. You see what happened. Yes, the guys were thrown down in the lion's den and everybody says, ah, that's good. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was that king made a change. And the king sent a document around and said, Daniel's God is the real God. He's our official God of the kingdom now. He changed the hearts of people. He changed the hearts of the king. That was God's intent. So the lions that were meant to harm Daniel, God says, well, I'm going to do something great with that. You just watch. Don't think God is any less able to do that with the lions in your life. The things where people throw roadblocks in front of you and try to hold you back, try to get you down, try to take you out, say things about you. If you are able to be obedient and to have integrity and to follow God and just with, with the attitude of Daniel, oh, king, live forever. Right? Don't say, hey, those guys, throw them in. No. Say, hey, I'm good. God's taking care of me. I don't have to worry about it. Because God will use those lions for something good. God turns it around. Daniel's reaction is just right. And his lesson is, when people throw those lions meant to harm you, be patient and be obedient. Remember, Daniel sat all night long with the lions, staring them in the face. And his attitude was right in the morning. Sometimes you may have lions staring you right in the face in your life. Make sure you, you ask God to have a right attitude about those when time comes. And when you're there, you can, God can turn it and make it into something great. Lessons from the lions. We see we have some great ones out there. The king of the jungle. You can see... Just a few little things with lions, and there's so much more, but we're out of time here today. So thank you very much. Have a good day. Yeah.